Welcome into episode 108 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Darren and Andrew back with you on this week's show, and I did not expect uh, to have Andrew in his two-week absence that we would not have the NBA Finals. Quite the performance by the Denver Nuggets. We're going to start the show off with that, talking about the Nuggets and the Heat in the Finals. Then we're going to move on a couple other things, NBA player movement, NFL player movement. We got the Stanley Cup to talk about and maybe just open the floor for some other random topics. But Andrew, first things first, let's jump right into it. Generally, not really surprised at all at the outcome. Um, Really actually kind of surprised that Miami won a game in Denver. Uh, But for the most part, other than game two, and game five, I guess. Uh, the series really wasn't really that close. Um, felt like even though they got swept, the Lakers were probably closer to the Nuggets. There was a lot of close games, even though they got swept. Um, so kind of an anticlimactic finish to the NBA season. Pretty much the Nuggets thoroughly dominated the series. And... Uh, Jokic won the MVP, and now he can go back home to Serbia and ride his horses. Uh, can we talk about that? What's going on with the Serbians dominating our sports? We don't talk about tennis all that much on the show, but in uh, about 48 hours, you had Jokic win the NBA Finals and Novak Djokovic win the French Open to become the winningest men's tennis player in majors. Break yeah. the tie, I believe he was in. Yeah. Um, pretty incredible stuff. Pretty incredible 48 hours for the country of Serbia there. I was reading something tiny little Serbia, like 7 million people. And they had the two biggest athletes of the month. That's very impressive. And um, another thing that I think happened is Nikola Jokic grabbed the um, best basketball player in the world title that was previously held by Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um so I think that's that's a thing now where Nikola is kind of on top and he's uh, the best basketball player in the world. You beat me to the punch. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I know everyone will say, oh, this is the beginning of a Nuggets dynasty, but you got to remember that um, Jamal Murray was healthy, but that's not a guarantee as we've seen in the past. Jamal Murthy... Murray missed the past two playoffs, and that was a big reason why the Nuggets didn't advance. And then also, it's just hard to keep teams together because guys want more money. Um, They're going to have to make decisions on Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. They did make a trade where they have – now they have three uh, picks this year. So they might be able to hit the lottery with a couple of those picks like they did with Christian Brown. But, um, you know, this is far from a guaranteed dynasty. The Nuggets are going to have a chance, obviously, because they have Jokic and Murray. That's going to give them a chance at a championship just based off having those two guys. Uh, but it's not a guarantee that they're going to get back every year because we thought we thought the same thing about the Bucks after they won it in 2021, or at least I did. Hey, this core is going to be together. It's locked in. 
the Bucks are going to be in the NBA Finals for the next two or three seasons in a row, and it just hasn't worked out like that. So um, they have the best player in the world, but that's not necessarily a guarantee of a dynasty. You just jammed in like four of the topics that I wanted to get to here into one nice soliloquy, but I uh, want to break it down a little bit more one at a time here. Starting with the, let's talk about Jokic as an individual player. Are, I think we're on the same page here, but are we cementing him as the best in the world? Yes, you can argue that LeBron still may be the best ever play, but we know he's on the downhill side. And Bede won the MVP this year. But it does feel like it's a two-horse conversation right now between the Greek freak and Jokic. And maybe Jokic, with this performance, cemented himself as that surefire number one. He did because the last question was, can he do it on the biggest stage? And the answer is emphatically yes. Uh, his team won the series in large part because of him. Finals MVP, a couple of triple doubles. Didn't quite average a triple double because Miami was smart enough to kind of play him and force him to score, but he did that. Had a multiple... You know, 40-point games, the 30-20-10 game, something that we've never seen before in an NBA Finals. Um, and just uh, really unprecedented stuff from him. Uh, led the NBA playoffs in the major three categories, points, rebounds, and assists, I believe. So just absolutely ran through the NBA playoffs as a whole and ran through the NBA Finals. So that, to me, is what makes him the number one player going forward. Who's your all-European super team? You can't have Wembenyama yet, but if you get Giannis, Joker, I'm assuming Luka's on there. Yep. Trying to think who the other two spots are. So what, you'd need two wing players? Are we calling Giannis and Jokic the four and five? Uh, do we have to do, or could we go a more non-traditional route? We can, you can live on the edge. Because if, if I'm going a little bit more non-traditional route, then give me Sabonis as well. And I'm just going to load up my front court with, uh, Giannis, Sabonis, and Jokic. And it can work because Jokic can shoot three. Sabonis can a little bit too, and Luca can obviously spread the floor. And then, who am I going with for my fifth? Do you want Do you want Gobert four bigs, or is that like do we need a guard somewhere to balance it out? Uh, no. If I'm if I'm going uh if I'm going for another big here, then I'll, I'll take uh somebody like Nurkic or Valanciunas over Gobert, or even Nikola Vucevic. Um, but yeah, maybe we need a guard to kind of balance things out here. We're going all European team. Uh, it's kind of hard to think about who my other guard option could be. Dennis Schroeder's German, isn't he? Yeah. I was more thinking maybe like Bogdan Bogdanovich from Atlanta. Good pick. So if I want to go for another guard, but um, if I wanted to make more of a traditional lineup, then I'd, I'd just get the Bogdanovich guys, Bojan <laughs> and, and Bogdan, to pair with Luka and Giannis and uh, Jokic. But I got to go Sabonis in there, so throw Sabonis in there and Bogdan. 
which feels like that would beat an all whatever your all American five is. LeBron plus whomever else. Yeah, LeBron. You have to put your money on the European team right now. Yep, yeah, LeBron. Um, Still going oh, yeah. Steph and Katie. LeBron, Steph, Katie, uh, Tatum. Oh, Tatum's good pull. Yep, and then uh, for my for my man in the middle, well, Embiid is from Cameroon, so that he doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. Who is who's, who's your American big? That brings up a suddenly good point. What what have I got here for? Yeah, uh, I think we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's really it's Stephen Adams, that kind of guy. He is. He's isn't he New Zealand D? Oh yeah, he is New Zealand. Uh, in that case, um, I believe Jarrett Allen is American born. You got Bam. Isn't Bam American? There it is. Give me Bam, Bam or AD. Give me Bam or AD. Bam, AD, or even maybe Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley is the one I was just thinking about because he get the defense as well. Yeah, I was kind of thinking Jared Allen for that reason, though, for, for defense and rebounding purposes because you don't need a lot from that center spot given all the other guys that we've got on the court with uh, LeBron, KD, Steph. We don't really need uh, – anyone that handles the ball at that center spot. They just need to be able to rebound and block shots. That's fun. How do we make this happen? Isn't this what the, is this like the FIBA or are they still broken up by countries? I, we need like a Davis cup in basketball, whatever the equivalent is. Yeah, we do. We do. Cause yeah, they're still broken out by countries for so, FIBA and for the Olympics. And getting back to the nuggets here, Rolled through just a quick refresher. They beat the Wolves 4-1, the Suns 4-2, the Lakers 4-0 sweep, and then the Heat here 4-1. So really nobody even touched them. People talk about the Timberwolves maybe almost had their number because they looked good in one game. But Denver was rolling here, and they they did lose a bit of a rock fight, it felt like, to the Heat in that one game. But they were all over this thing. It felt like it was done pretty early. And I said last week I was concerned that both of these teams were amazing at home and not all that great on the road. I thought Denver may be heading back being down three games to one after the trip to Miami, they proved me wrong here. Can we quantify what the, what the nuggets did to stymie the heat that this, this puzzle that was the heat that took down the bucks and the Celtics, but yet Denver just outmatched them in every sense of the word. Uh, Some of that was Mike Malone. um, But some of that was just having a guy like Aaron Gordon who is kind of the perfect match for Jimmy Butler. So um, that's really what I thought the kind of the unsung hero of the series was, was Aaron Gordon is his defense on Jimmy Butler. And then they could throw guys like KCP Porter jr. Jeff green, Christian Brown, you know, they could throw other guys at Jimmy Butler, but for the most part, it was Aaron Gordon doing the defensive work on Jimmy Butler. And also, Jimmy didn't look like himself and the heat also did not shoot as hot from three, the rest of the playoffs as they did against the bucks. Like they shot exceedingly well from three against the bucks got on absolute fire. And then we're not that hot for the rest of the playoffs, especially in the finals. Um, and the nuggets really weren't that hot either, but they just kind of had things uh, figured out and they had the best, 
possible individual defender on Jimmy Butler with Aaron Gordon. And I think that was a huge key. Um, also, I know Caleb Martin struggled through some illness. You know, I think the Heat kind of just reached the finish line and they were just kind of gassed having to go through the battles of having to get to the finals. It had kind of just taken a toll on them at that point where there was no real recovering from it. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Denver by saying that because they did absolutely what they needed to do. But you could kind of just see it that um, they were overmatched and a little bit of tired legs going on out there, especially in the later games. Do we think how much did that Celtic series take out of them? Or is that just fishing for excuses at that point in time when you think you're maybe looking at a 4-0 sweep and then you get drug into seven games against a very good team? It can wear on you a little bit mentally, but I I don't think that really played a factor. And we could see that after the heat kind of bounced back in game two. I think though, at some point they just kind of hit a wall. I really think the deflating thing was, you know, losing two and in Miami to Denver, there was no real coming back from it at that point because Denver had been so good at home. They hadn't lost a game at home in the playoffs until that game two that we mentioned and Miami barely snuck that out by the skin of their teeth. Um, Maybe a little bit controversial down the stretch in game two as well, but I don't think it, I think it was more just like the cumulative effect of all the energy that they had to exert, not just the Celtics series, but every series leading up to that moment. Uh, Plus the effort they exerted in game two to pull out that victory. Um, And just, they were relying on some guys who were just maybe a little bit older and Jimmy. I I feel like we might learn that Jimmy was a little bit more hurt than what we realized because he certainly didn't quite look like the Jimmy Butler that we had seen maybe in the um, Eastern conference playoffs. And I, I do wonder what the heat do from here. They've got Jimmy Butler coming back. He looks like he's still going to be the cornerstone of this franchise for a couple of years. They've got Bam for a couple more years, but I have to imagine he's going to want to restructure, get some more money. Those are your top two that you have coming back. You've still got Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, and Tyler Hero under contracts. I don't know that losing Oladipo or Kevin Love, who are both going to be free agents, Max Struske, Vincent, these guys are all going to be done after this year. You're the Heat, do you try to run this back? Or I think we discussed a couple weeks ago, as long as you have Spolstra, Pat Riley, Jimmy Butler, and Bam, you can move the rest of the pieces around them. Yeah. Um, well, the reports that I've read today and even a little bit yesterday are that uh, maybe the Heat are they're going after a star in free agency or trade. And they've been linked to Bradley Beal. I don't know if I really like that for them. I think Bradley Beal is an awful contract to take on Um, a decent player, but an awful contract. And it probably means giving up Tyler hero for a 30 year old Bradley Beal, who's often injured and you have to pay 50 million a year for Um, probably means giving up Duncan Robinson too, because you got to make the money work somehow. Um, And you can't give up bam 
because Bam is a huge part of your team. Too big part of your team. You can give up here. You can give up Duncan Robinson if you're going to take back a guy like Beal. But I don't know if that really puts you in a better spot than where you're at right now. And like you said, Lowry, Love, Struess, Vincent, Martin. Going to have to make a lot of decisions on all those guys as well. Um, I think Lowry might just be done with basketball. Um, He looked rather old as well as did Kevin Love, but Kevin Love was actually a critical piece and actually helped them win a couple games throughout the playoffs. Uh, So they need to probably bring him back, but um, yeah, I I think Miami is going to try and make a splash move for a star. I just don't know who that's going to be. If it's going to be Beal, if it's going to be Dame, if it's going to be someone else. So we'll see. Which that feels like such a non-heat move. Their whole MO with this build was Jimmy Butler's our biggest star. And even then he's underappreciated. They, they've they been the workmen, like the no-names, the Gabe Vincents of the world to all know their role and make this happen. This year, they were about middle of the pack in salary cap. They jump up to third next year, mostly by virtue of Tyler Hero going from $5 million to $27 million per starting next year. I think they're, you're right. They would have to move on from him. I get you can make trades in a lot of other ways to get deals done, but it feels more like a a Jeremy Grant or a Chris Middleton or a Fred Van Vliet feels more like a heat kind of guy. But I get, I get yeah. looking at your backcourt, maybe somebody to handle because you've already got Jimmy and Bam. Maybe looking for more of a point guard type player. Yeah. You're looking for someone else who can create and maybe hero's not quite there yet. Um, and he didn't have Tyler hero services for the most of the playoffs after he broke his hand, which Again, kind of just a freak thing. Not really much he could do about that one. But maybe you're looking for someone who's a little bit more accomplished because you feel like your window is kind of closing. You've got maybe two more years of of Jimmy at a level where he could maybe get you back to the finals again. Um, But that's not certain. Um, So you need to... You need to grab someone who can kind of take the load off so Jimmy doesn't have to try and do everything down the stretch of these games because I think they saw how that took an effect, and that's going to maybe drive their decisions. Because, like you said, they they haven't been bringing in stars since the uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Since they built a team that way, they've done it kind of a different way. Um, But... They also are a team that wants to win championships and will try and do everything they can to kind of seize the moment. And you touched on this earlier. What do we think about the Nuggets' ter- opportunity to run this back? I know it's it's one of those foolish things, but every sports talk cliche, the chances to run it back. You got Jokic for a long time. Jamal Murray, I suspect, is going to want a pay raise here pretty soon. They're already paying Michael Porter a stunning amount of money. Same with Aaron Gordon. I feel like he's going to want more than the $20 million he's making. And then you've got KCP. So those top five are all scheduled to come back. Bruce Brown, they're going to have to decide if they want to invest in him. Uh, Christian Brown, the young guy, so they don't really have to make a big move on him yet. When I look at the West, who's better? The Suns could be, but who knows what's going on there. Wherever LeBron is is going to be in contention, but... I'm trying to think who else in the West would scare you if you're looking at this 
we we keep saying, well, maybe the Timberwolves are going to get there. The Clippers don't know which way they're going. I know your beloved beam team's working their way up. Ja and the Grizzlies feel like they're a mess. When I look at the West, maybe the Lakers and maybe the Suns, but it feels like Denver's kind of taken the reins. I guess we'll throw Golden State there because you have to. But those four feel like they're uh, cut above the rest. Yeah, really, uh, the the four going into next season are the Nuggets at the top and then the Lakers, because let's not fool ourselves. That's exactly where LeBron's going to be. There's too many millions of reasons not to be his sons in S- Southern California. But let's not let's not buy into the national narratives about LeBron maybe going somewhere. He'll be a Laker next season, and they'll be trying to win a championship. Um, so the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Kings, the Warriors, those are really your four teams. Um, not going to give it to the Suns because they are a bit of a mess. They're waving Chris Paul, even in so doing, um, they're not going to have really enough money to build a strong contending team around. Durant and Booker, and you saw how incredibly short that team fell against the Nuggets. Um, but really for Denver, yes, they have to make a decision on Bruce Brown and Jeff Green and KCP. Uh, maybe not this year. Bruce Brown this year, but then in, in coming years as well on Jeff Green and KCP. And that's really more what it's about. But also – Jokic is is one of those guys that kind of elevates the guys around him, but he had the right mix of guys around him this year because they weren't getting it done with last year's roster. If you go back and look at some of the supporting cast from 2022 Nuggets, 2021 Nuggets, um, it's, it's definitely a different makeup of a team. So I think they will... I think the best they can probably do for Bruce Brown though, is to offer him like the mid-level exception. And there's going to be other teams that offer Bruce Brown more money than the mid-level exception. So it will be an interesting season, but that's also part of why they traded for those picks because they're hoping that they can find a guy who might be more ready to play now um, with those picks that they acquired from the thunder. Thinking about the East, that does feel more wide open, and we're going to have a wild offseason to completely reshape all this. Seems like it will still run through Milwaukee and Boston, depending on what happens with Jalen Brown there in Beantown. Sixers are going to be there. Cavaliers, Knicks, Heat, we'll see what they come out with. East may be more wide open, and yes, it's foolhardy to have this debate a year in advance. But there's no reason I... It doesn't feel like the Raptors. The Raptors felt like they went all in, got Kawhi Leonard, had the one year, and they were done. I don't see that with the Nuggets. I think they're going to be like a Milwaukee where they're here to stay. They may not necessarily win every year, but they're going to be a one seed pushing for the finals. I don't think it's a one and done, then flame out. No, no, I'm not suggesting that either. I'm just suggesting that it it takes um, having the right mix of guys and that some of those faces could maybe change and it could also be kind of a thing where you've you've seen it with uh you saw it with duncan you you saw it with lebron as well and and you'll probably see it with Jokic, where there will be guys who will go there and take less money 
just for the ability to play the game with Nicole Jokic, who's a lot of fun to play with. And so we'll probably see some veterans who are, you know, going ring chasing who want to, who want to latch onto this Nuggets team and, and be there. So um, the faces around those kind of core four guys that you mentioned, Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, as long as they've got those core four together, they're going to have a really good chance. So, uh, and like you mentioned, the East is wide open, but I want to, I want to talk about the Sixers because you said the Sixers will be there and I'm not so sure because I truly think that Harden is moving on. Um, and I've got Joel Embiid near the top of my disgruntled superstar rankings. Um, so I'm not saying that Embiid is going to push for a trade this summer or anything like that, but if we learned a month from now that Joel Embiid wants out of Philadelphia, I would not be really shocked. Didn't they just change their coach to appease him? I mean, yes, they did, Okay, but, but we know how that goes, uh, because they changed coaches in Brooklyn to appease Kevin Durant. And here we are where Kevin Durant forced his way out of Brooklyn. Um, so there's always the disgruntled superstar factor. It happens seemingly every year. And I've got Embiid somewhere near the top, especially if Harden ends up back in Houston, just like I think he will. That may lead into my next topic here, talking about the draft and some draft trades. So we'll put a pin in that. Anything else on the just the NBA Finals? Congratulations to the Nuggets. Uh, any any more thoughts on the Nuggets and the Heat before we move on? Um, more thoughts on Jokic because that's really what the series was about. Um, let's try not to get carried away. Jokic is one of the all time greats. Um, in terms of just centers, he's still behind Bill Russell, Kareem. Shaq, Hakeem, and probably Will uh, in terms of just centers. And then I consider Duncan a power forward. That's why I didn't name Duncan, but he's for sure behind Duncan as well. Um, But that leaves him in pretty good company. Um, But he's not, you know, a lot of people are kind of have this overreaction to a great performance and want to throw Jokic somewhere near the top 10 all time. Let's uh, let's go ahead and slow our roll on that because we just vaulted Curry into the top 10 last after last year's finals, I believe, but it took him four championships to get there. So I think Nikola Jokic, if he wins one more and he's the clear finals MVP goes on an amazing run that's when you can start having a legitimate conversation about top 10 with Nicole Jokic. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I hope he has a terrific career. I just did the math. I believe his ninth NBA season. So still plenty of time for him to grow. And he's just hitting his peak. He could have an amazing next five to six years. And then we can talk about him in that elite all-time tier for now. Let's just enjoy the ride. And he's the best in the world right now, but let's not get crazy trying to say he's the next Hakeem yet. Yeah, and um, another really good thing for him is that 
his game is going to age gracefully. Do you do you uh, have a good player comp for him? I heard Duncan because of the fundamentals and being good, a good teammate, and he can do a little bit of everything. And then I also heard seven foot tall Steve Nash are the the ones that I've heard. I'm trying to think if there's a good player comp for him that we don't you don't usually think of. Uh, no, I really think his passing is more reminiscent of um, a better version of Larry Bird. Interesting. Um, but really, in all honesty, and the thing that makes him an all-time great that we can already see is there's – you can't come up with a comp because we haven't seen anything like it. That's That's kind of the thing that's going on here is we're witnessing something – you know, we're witnessing a seven-foot guy who has the passing vision of the most elite point guards and can pinpoint all of his passes like an elite point guard. And we've just never seen that. We've seen glimpses of it with guys like, uh, I mean, Wilt was a decent passer. We've seen um, we've seen other guys who are lesser players than Jokic is, like uh, Flade Divac or Vitas Sabonis, who have passing ability, but nothing to the level of Jokic. And so that's um, why I think, I think Larry Bird, if you watch some of Larry Bird's passing and then also Larry Bird was a fun player to play with. And so I think there's some similarity there, but I don't think it's an exact one for one match. Um, But my point is that his game isn't predicated on his athleticism. And that's why he's going to be able to do this for, five, six years, like you mentioned, unless there's some sort of freak injury, but he, uh, you know, he doesn't have to run and jump and dunk on everyone to make his presence felt. And that's why he can play at a high level for another good six, seven years. I found ESPN's draft grades from 2014. And as we remember, Jokic went in the second round, picked number 41, drafted by the Nuggets. According to ESPN, Jokic impressed teams at the Nike Hoop Summit. He's not a great athlete, but he's very skilled and can score in a variety of ways. Something he could be a Nikola Vucevic type in the NBA. He's a nice stash pick for the Nuggets. I think it's safe to say he's exceeded that. Beyond exceeded that. Um, but, you know, if anybody tells you that they saw this coming when he was drafted, they're full of it. <laughs> Because literally no one saw this coming except maybe someone on the Nuggets staff back in 2014. Maybe. Uh, by the way, 2014 second round, solid little crop here. Spencer Dinwiddie, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic, Dwight Powell, Jordan Clarkson. Got some good role players out of this. Uh, do you know who went 56th overall that year? Two, ironically, the Nuggets. Oh, um, oh gosh. Uh, this question is very intentionally directed at you. Oh, just kidding. He was a, he was drafted by the Nuggets and traded to the Magic. One of those drafted by this team through this team via this team kind of deals. Oh, Roy Devin Marble. There you go. Yep. So tying all this together, draft picks, player movement, disgruntled Embiid's. Yep. If I have a top five draft pick, am I going to trade that to the Sixers for Joel Embiid in this year's crop? Oh, every day and twice on Sunday. If Joel Embiid, if you have the chance if, if to I'm, get Embiid, 
So we we know the Spurs are not moving out. Like even Wikipedia has Victor Wembanyama already going to the Spurs. Yeah, that's a given. So you're not trading Wembanyama. That's the only pick in the top five that would be off the table, even for Embiid. The only way you would do that is if you're getting Jokic and the Nuggets aren't trading Jokic. So, um, and so Wemby is slotted into slot one, but any of those other picks, any of those other teams would take Embiid in a heartbeat. And I have no idea what Embiid, if he has any type of no trade clause or what his contract looks like, but you've got the Hornets at two, the Blazers at three, the Rockets in four, and the Pistons at five. None of those scream Embiid team to me unless you're giving unless you're the Rockets and you're giving up like four young guys and this draft pick because the Rockets feel like they're building for a young future Portland and Charlotte don't I feel like Embiid probably wants something a little bit more glamorous than either of those two but I could be wrong no you're 100% right um no that's not where I think he'll go um if he does go again I'm not saying it's a 100% certain fact. I'm saying it, I I could see it. If it happens, I won't be shocked. Um, Wizards are eight. Like there's there's not a lot of the uh, so-called sexy, glamorous franchises drafting at the top. Maybe the Mavericks at ten is your first one. The Wizards at eight, but you've got the Magic and the Pacers and the Jazz and the Thunder all drafting early. There's no Lakers, Knicks, Nets, Clippers, Warriors early on um the thunder would be the out of all those teams you mentioned the thunder would be the interesting one um because it's while it's not the biggest market per se that mb could go to if they could give up a bunch of draft picks and you know not really give up too many of their current pieces like sga and giddy would be off the table and probably jalen williams as well uh, but if they could give up like Chet Holmgren and a, a collection of draft picks for a guy like Embiid, I think they would jump on that instantly. Um, and that would make for a pretty good team. I think, I think that that kind of a team could uh, be way better than what Embiid had in Philly. Giddy SGA and Embiid. And Jalen Williams. Do not forget Jalen Williams because he finished third or second second in uh, rookie of the year voting i believe so um jalen williams is is going to take another level up that that thunder team has a lot of good pieces in place but they're maybe missing that one thing that could put them kind of over the top and put them into contention and i don't think that's chet holmgren and if they're honest with themselves, they probably know that it's not Chet Holmgren either. So if Embiid is disgruntled, then OKC is sitting there with all the assets that they need to go get him. Interesting. I am I am curious. The Magic have picks six and eleven. I'm wondering if they're uh, not for Embiid, but just in in general package those two because they kind of look like they hit something with uh, Paolo. Maybe yeah, they definitely pack- hit. They definitely hit something with Paolo. Uh, and I like Franz Wagner too. Problem is that both those guys, while they, I think they'll be good and have pretty good careers, both of them. Um, Paolo, I think, is probably a future star. I don't think they're really in like a spot to go get 
like a Damian Lillard, um, because sacrificing those future picks won't won't make them a contender by getting Dame. I think it will actually, you know, kind of hold them back. So I could see them maybe consolidating and trying to move up with those picks into the top five. I think that would make some sense. But I I don't see Orlando using those picks as bait for a star. And that's the problem is there's a lot of guys that I think could be on the move. But I don't think the teams that have the assets outside of like OKC and possibly New Orleans really have the assets and are maybe ready to take that next step. Like there's a Charlotte, Portland, Orlando. Those teams have like Charlotte and Orlando have assets, but they're not ready for that next step where acquiring like one star will get them over the top. So that's, that's kind of what I see with the NBA offseason landscape. When you laid a bit of the foundation there, but there's one big name who's been rumored, rumored this week that we have not discussed. Does he want to get out of town when he's playing? He is an all NBA player. Problem is he doesn't play it all that much. Zion Williamson, a lot. This could be a lot of smoke. There's fire. It could just be scuttlebutt. Zion's on the move, potentially. Do the Pelicans want to get rid of him? What do they want in return? Because a lot of the talk is those top teams, Charlotte, Portland, Houston, uh, Detroit, and Orlando. Anybody looking to give up some draft capital to bring in Zion? Number one, are you buying he's really on the move? And which of those teams seems like the best idea? Um, Well, New Orleans has McCollum and Ingram who are not getting any younger. Uh, And they've been waiting. You know, we've said this for a couple of years. If Zion just gets back and just gets healthy, the Pelicans are a contender. But we've been saying this for a couple of years and it hasn't really happened. So I think truly the Pelicans are ready if the right deal comes along to cut bait with Zion Williamson at this point. And I think, I know that Dame has repeatedly said, I want to stay in Portland. I want to win in Portland. Um, if I think a Zion for Dame trade would be a really interesting thing for Portland to consider. Um, They'd probably have to toss number three back as well to get Zion, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but I think there could be – that could be an interesting name on the move. So, yeah, we've talked about a lot of big names. Um, I do think that Zion could potentially be on the move this summer. He just he just seems like he's not really that interested. That's what I wonder is, does he just not want to play for the Pelicans? Could he be back and healthy? He's just not really motivated to be there. I I have no idea what he thinks or feels or believes. Just kind of seems like he maybe doesn't love the game or doesn't love it with the Pelicans. Does he want to be closer to home? He's from North Carolina. So I think that's where people are kind of looking at Charlotte, maybe potentially. Uh, I guess born in North Carolina, grew up in South Carolina. Uh, so would Charlotte make sense? Does he want to be close to home or does he want to be in a big market? Would the Clippers, we know they have all the money in the world. Would they swing a deal for him? 
is is he a New Yorker LA guy who wants that nightlife and that exposure and to be in the biggest spotlights imaginable? I I do wonder what his motivations are and desires are and how much that'll play into it. Oh, we know a lot about Zion's motivation and desires. It's just not his on-the-court ones that we know a lot about. (laughs) We've learned entirely too much about Zion's love for the game, but that game is not basketball at this point in time. (laughs) And we will leave that that there for your imagination to do what it will. Yeah. If you want to just go ahead and Google Zion Williamson, you can find what? we're talking about fairly easily um quick I, I think i ask you this question at least once a year since he's been drafted if you could go back to the 2019 pick uh 2019 drafts i think we've gotten to the point after what is that 19 20 19 20 21 so fifth year in the league for these guys fourth year anyway we've gotten to the point where i think we kind of know who these guys are or what they can become would you still take zion number one or who else from this class would you have? Because we all thought Zion was the closest thing to a slam dunk number one that we'd had in a while. And then all of a sudden this John Moran guy pops up and it was Zion or John. And then we debated that for a couple of years. But given the 2022-2023 season that both of them had, would you have rather had one of the other guys, R.J. Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland? Uh, those are kind of your top ones. You can look further down the board. You had Tyler Hero in this draft. Matisse Tybel is in this draft. I'm trying to see if there's any other big Jordan Poole trying to find some of the bigger names. Yeah, I think uh, I think the conversation is still Zion jaw. um, But at this point, even with all the stuff that's happened for both of them off the court, I'd still lean jaw Morant because we've seen him play uh, way more games and obviously at a superstar level. Um. I think there's things that Ja Morant has going on in his life that are easily correctable. It's not like he's gone down a sort of a path that he can't recover from. Um, He may face a suspension this upcoming year, but you know the talent is there. You see it. You see the superstar potential that he definitely has, and – the Grizzlies have a good team around him. So I think, you know, looking back now, especially after this past season, um, you can say a lot of things about John Morant, but you really can't question how committed he is to playing basketball because we do know that he loves playing basketball. But you do have some of those questions with Zion. And so for my money, I'd take Jock going forward. To play devil's advocate on this, Second in games played, R.J. Barrett. Most minutes played, R.J. Barrett. Second most points, R.J. Barrett. Most rebounds, R.J. Barrett. Most bricked three-pointers, R.J. Barrett. <laughs> I'm, I don't actually know that, but uh, so, I don't know. He's a little bit down there in windshare. Actually, weirdly, Brandon Clark is highest in windshare from this class. Um, it's when you look at the numbers, it's a lot of Ja versus RJ Barrett. Zion just missed, has just missed so much time that in the total numbers, he doesn't stack up in the totals compared to some of the other ones. And even like a Darius Garland's had a nice career and we never talk about him. Yeah. I mean, it's really a jaw or a Darius Garland conversation. Don't even, don't even come in here with the RJ Barrett stuff. <laughs> Nick's, Nick's uh, fans don't want to hear that. They were just falling in love with him. I lost 
way too much money betting on RJ Barrett player props, specifically point props that uh, I don't. Yeah. It just left too much of a bad taste in my mouth. So, and we can't forget Rui Hachimura after the playoff run he had, where he became the star of the Lakers. Yep. Uh, Rui Hachimura was good for like a round. (laughs) That was great. Um, But yeah. So, should we, do um, an, should we do an NBA mock draft episode next week? The draft, mock on, draft? the draft is on the 22nd. Yeah, absolutely. Next week we should. Okay. Let's put that on the calendar. Throw uh, it up there. But to, so we'll do a, we'll get into these guys more next week, but quick, if you want to give some, we talked about Wemby's for sure. Number one in the great Miller versus Scoot Henderson debate. Who's number two for you right now? I think that I, I think regardless of your team makeup or whatever, you should go scoot. Cause there's even people who believe that scoot Henderson should go number one. I obviously don't believe that, but for my money, um, a ball dominant point guard who can make plays for himself and for others and is not a liability defensively, a good two way player. I think that's, something that you can build around and Brandon Miller, great player has the ability to create for himself. Not as much of a creator for others. At this point in time could probably develop that over time fairly easily. You can see how that would go, but I think, uh, I think scoot is kind of going to be the guy that's more NBA ready from the get go and probably has the more long-term superstar potential. And to wet people's whistle a little bit more. Some of the names you'll hear us talk about next week. And I would argue these were not the biggest college names. I think there's bigger college names further down the list, but anything we need to know about Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, Jarris Walker out of Houston or Taylor Hendricks out of UCF. Yeah, those guys are are likely lottery selections. Um, Grady Dick is probably another name that's going to end up in the lottery. So uh, prepare for that. And you go down um, a little bit, you get some of the bigger names, the Jalen Hood, Shafinos, Nick Smith Jr., Jordan Hawkins, Keontae George, uh, your Mr. Murray, the other twin. So there's some of the bigger names I think are going to be a little bit further down, Jaime Hakas. Uh, but, but yeah, some yeah. of those guys at the top, I was taken aback. There's a guy from Central Florida at the top 10 picks. Yeah. Um, I mean, NBA drafts a lot on age and potential, so um, – Younger is usually better in the NBA draft in the eyes of a lot of GMs. And then you've got the Thompson twins who didn't play bas- uh, college basketball this past year. So there's a, there's a lot, a heavy mix of, you know, guys that played overtime elite or international ball mixed in with the college stars. And that's kind of how it always is. So we can dive into that more next week. Anything else basketball related before we get to a couple other quick things here? Uh, no, that's it. I, I think I just dumped all my thoughts on you. Thank you. So we oh, will. Oh, one quick item. Yes. Sorry. So we mentioned Harden, Dame, Zion, Embiid, possibly Beal. Uh, another name for moving in the NBA this offseason, Trey Young. Interesting. Yep, I think I think Trey Young being on the move is a real possibility. So, uh, of the star caliber players, I think 
those are the gut, the names that you'll probably hear the most. With the exception of Embiid, who I'm just counting on getting disgruntled and forcing his way out. But I think Trey has got to be on there too. Find out who wants some Trey Young empty points. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There. I'm actually done. <laughs> uh, just a couple quick minutes here on some other things. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. I resisted cheering for them. I still refuse to cheer for them, but credit where credit is due. Let's give them their flowers, as the youths say. Not a good time to be a Miami sports fan, unless you're excited about Messi coming over. That's about all you got. The Heat got taken to task, and the Panthers were absolutely throttled in this one. The Vegas Knights winning 4-1. to one. I watched the Saturday night game where the Knights got ahead 3-0 and the Panthers were going to come back. I thought they were going to do it. Ended up falling 3-2. Fantastic game. And then with the season on the brink, it didn't even look like the Panthers wanted to be on the ice. Now, you give up five or six goals in a hockey game. You're scoring pretty well. The Knights put up nine goals on the Panthers. It was 6-1 to one after two periods. Aiden Hill, Jack Eichel... All these guys for the Golden Knights, credit to them, winning their first cup just six years into the league. We remember them making it to the finals in their inaugural season, and then they're back here. It, it was a fun playoff. I know we didn't give it enough credit. We never give hockey enough credit. If you took the time to watch these games, you were entertained. But wow, Golden Knights, that's that's kind of like beating a team 54-3 to in the Super Bowl for football fans. Thank you for putting it into context for me because I didn't <laughs> quite understand what the significance of it was. It was an absolute whooping any way you cut it. If you want a more country fried take on it, they were, they were whooped. It, it felt like the Panthers didn't even want to be there anymore and saw the true might of the golden Knights. All right. Well, good for, good for Vegas. So I think there, is that their first pro team championship? As I'm thinking through my head, because they've only got the two, and we know the Raiders aren't winning anything anytime soon. Yeah, one. I, it's got to be. So that means the Oakland A's are going to win their first season there. Set and are, the, are the Oakland A's going to move to Vegas for sure? <laughs> There's that little hurdle to get over. Yeah, maybe the reverse boycott can save Oakland baseball. Yeah, maybe don't promise a team until you have a stadium figured out that too um but i also look forward to the vegas nba basketball team that lebron will eventually own when his playing days are over you can expand or is somebody gonna move there uh we're gonna expand we get to 32 do we have to add an east or a west or can we get a team in vegas and a team in seattle yeah we're going for a team in seattle and a team in vegas then when we have to kick a Western Conference team over to the East, are we going to give the Eastern Conference the Timberwolves? Uh, no, we would give the we'd give the East Memphis because it makes more geographic sense. I like this. Uh, so then things would be perfectly balanced, East and West, and yeah. Uh, speaking of crowning champions, the GOAT, the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time, Amanda Nunez. Won her championship UFC 289. She was the heavy favorite here. And uh, Irene Aldana was the late fill-in for this one. And she went out the way she you would expect. Unanimous decision. Huge dominating performance by the best of all time. Credits to Nunez. She retired 
We're always kind of questioning retirements. Of, is there a big enough payday? Is there a huge fight out there that she would take to come back? But she seems pretty serious about it, going to go back to coaching. Uh, so she won there, defended her women's bantamweight title to retire as a double champion. And UFC likely also to probably drop the women's bantamweight division. They never quite fleshed it out the way they did some other divisions. Be interesting to see what they do with her two belts, though. She Cool to see her go out on top. And then Charles Oliveira, if you listen the last couple of weeks, I made a lot of people money. He was inexplicably the underdog. I think I got him at like plus 150. So not not huge odds, but still you bet on that. 10 or 20 bucks here or there or a cool thousand. He hammered Benil Daryush in the first round, winning by TKO. I thought maybe he'd get a late round submission, but props to Mr. Oliveira and the Lioness, the GOAT, Amanda Nunez on their big wins. And a solid UFC card, but those were the two main ones I was interested in. Yeah, those were the two main ones for me. I actually got to watch this month. So uh, impressive performance by uh, Oliveira. And yeah, really cool to see Nunes go out on top, like you said. So hopefully uh, they don't do away with the bantamweight division like you're insinuating they will. But we'll we'll see. Be a little bit of time till we have a big UFC card. They always do a great one right around the 4th of July. So I need to click ahead here a little bit and see what they've got coming up. I'm trying to think who should be due up next for a title. Uh, but I, whatever that weekend is before after the 4th, UFC usually does a pretty great card. Right. Okay. Um, what, uh, so what's going on in the NFL? We haven't touched on this. Uh, Dalvin Cook doesn't have a job. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have a job. Stephon Diggs might have a job. Not sure what's going on there. Um, I've I, been kind of like dipping my toes in the NFL. I haven't quite jumped in yet. Yeah, I think Stefan Diggs, that stuff is all patched up. We're all good. Um, DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's bound for either Tennessee or New England. Ew. Yeah. Um, Why do you want to go to a contender? Tennessee could contend for their division. <laughs> and a quick first round exit at the hands of the Chargers or someone? Does that count? Contending for that division, the AFC South with the Jaguars. We have our first, counts. our first seven and ten division winner. Uh, let's give the Jaguars a little more credit than that. Hmm. Nine and eight, we'll get it done. <laughs> Jaguars, Colts, Texans, nine and eight, we'll get it done. Texans, Titans. So, division winner will be nine and eight there, but. Um, that's besides the point. And there's just, it hasn't officially happened, but there's a lot of strong indication that Dalvin Cook is going to end up a member of the Miami Dolphins. He's from Florida, played his college ball at Florida State. Miami Dolphins have been all over his Instagram. It, it seems like all the indicators are there that he's going to play for Miami. It's just, I guess Miami loves their stable of running backs. Didn't they have like four or five running backs to split the load last year? So that makes sense. I just, I would think he'd want a little bit more of a feature role. You'd still think Dalvin Cook has plenty of tread left on the tires. Running backs are always tough to gauge though. Yeah, he's about to turn 28. Um, and that's right around the time that as incredible as Dalvin has been, um, He's more of a between-the-tackles kind of guy. Um, he can get outside a little bit, but he does a lot of work between the tackles. And that it's not the same as a guy like Austin Eckler, who can maybe go a little bit longer because 
he does most of his work outside of the numbers. And so he's not taking maybe that those heavy hits that you do on the inside. And so he, it adds to his longevity a little bit, but I think, you know, cook has maybe two solid seasons before we see a real age cliff drop off. Um, but yeah, and Miami drafted a running back from Texas A&M, Devin Akane, Um and they have Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, so it'd be an absolute mess of a backfield. But that's what Miami loves to do, like you mentioned. So, it's does anybody want to win your NFC North? Such a strange, strange division. We all think the Lions are going to be good; they've become the darling. We're pretty sure the Bears are going to be bad. Your Packers are a question mark with no Aaron Rodgers and the Vikings almost felt like it was kind of theirs to lose. And I don't know that I've been blown away with their off season. Well, uh, the Vikings are getting to be more competent. I know on the surface, it looks like, Hey, you're throwing away a talented player. What are you doing? Uh, but also um, time has proven that you don't pay big money contracts to older running backs and that's a smart financial move for the Vikings. So I'm, I'm getting nervous because the Vikings front office is starting to get competent. Uh-oh. So, so are the bears. Um, and the Packers have just lived off the incompetence of the other three franchises for years and years and years. So um, Vikings and bears strangely getting competent at the wrong time. Oh, We'll see. Um, the Bears will still be bad. You're right. The Lions will win the division. The Packers will finish second. Uh, the Vikings will be revealed as the, you know, close game fraudulent winners that they were last year uh, because they, every close game went their way. Um, so, yeah, Vikings third, Bears fourth. Um, put your money on the Lions to win the division for sure. Now watch as Justin Fields becomes MVP level Lamar Jackson and they somehow take off. Uh, if a running back like him learns how to throw. <laughs> I'm sorry. I probably just made all the Bears fans oh, who might listen man. to this terribly upset, but Justin Fields, glorified running back. <laughs> hey, it's worked out well for Kyler Murray. Yeah. Everybody's hyped about Kyler Murray going into next season. I think his bank account is hyped about it. His bank account is. Uh, his on-the-field play leaves a little bit to be desired, but but also Kyler Murray's a better passer than someone like Justin Fields at this stage. Um, I don't I don't want to bring us down. We'll see if we can finish on a high note. But okay, I'm sorry. I'll no. quit ripping on Justin Fields. It's hard. No, I have a more more sadder things to. Um, and in, in serious gen, genuineness, our condolences, we never like to hear sad things, but want to pay respect as a lifelong wrestling fan, myself lost two of the greats in short order, lost the iron Sheik, cheeky baby. If you watch internet wrestling videos passed away. And then we also lost superstar Billy Graham. And we have not acknowledged either of those yet here in the early part of summer. So two great WWF champions and Longtime wrestling personalities back when uh, more pro wrestlers were kind of larger than life. So two of the great iconic classic wrestlers, both gone. 
uh, here in the last couple of weeks. So our our condolences and thoughts to them and getting to be fewer and fewer of those former champions. So people to hear them tell their fun road stories back in the Wild West that was wrestling kind of pre-WWE taking over. So um, yeah. our, our thoughts, condolences with them. I know you're not the biggest pro wrestling fan, but I wanted to give it a quick minute. Yeah, obviously my condolences as well. Um, I've I've heard those names. Not super familiar with either one of them, but still a sad loss nonetheless. If uh just to, to the the royal you, the the general public, if you want to go hear somebody give crazy stories, whether or not they're true or not, the Iron Sheik lived a wild life and to hear him tell it and to hear other people talk about him. The I don't know how many books have been written about him or if he wrote one, but they could fill the Game of Thrones level amount of pages. Um, wilder or less wild than Ric Flair? Uh, probably different wild. Probably not quite as crazy, but more varied. You know, people... I We're listening to pro wrestling people talk like nobody quite matches Flair on the... Was it high-flying, limousine-riding women and alcohol things, but Sheik was a kind of a cat of a different color. Interesting. I might have to go about cats and spots or stripes or whatever that saying is. Yeah. I might have to go check uh, some of these crazy stories out. Do we want to end in our top five? Did you have time to put together your top five for this week? Real quickly. Yeah. We can rattle them off real quick. So our top five we like to bring back. Maybe we'll do some more hardy debates when we have a little bit more time to dedicate to it. But we started NBA, we'll finish NBA, and we wanted to discuss who we think are the five most underappreciated players in the league right now. And I intentionally steered clear of the finals because I think you could do this whole list based on finals players because we, with the Nuggets and Heat, you have a lot of guys who are underrated or underappreciated before this year. But I went away from that. I think I have guys who there may be some... All-star votes in here, but largely guys who haven't had a lot of accolades to their name. Uh, but I have my five to one. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? We'll just do our number fives. Um, you can go first, but I also want to say that I I steered clear of NBA Finals guys as well. I don't know. I think we it's didn't more talk, fun. We fun didn't talk about that, but that's how it ended up. So you go ahead, and I'm sure we'll probably have a little bit of crossover. So my guy, this, I put him at my number five because he's just about to break into the mainstream. I still think he's underappreciated, though. When we talked about all NBA players, he was on my first team. I think we just talked about him a few minutes ago in regards to the MB trade. But my number five is Shy Gilgis Alexander. He's just now breaking through a pretty young guy. We've talked about before, everybody gets excited about Ja or Trey Young or other young guards. You should be talking about Shy Gilgis Alexander. SGA with the Thunder, he's on the tipping point. I think in a year or two, we're going to be talking about him with the the Russell Westbrooks and the Chris Pauls and the Damian Lillards and the elite of the elite guards. But right now, for me, still underappreciated. So SGA at number five. All right. Uh, my number five, I'm going to go with a guy that we also talked about, briefly mentioned in passing, and I'm going to give love to your Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's Jared Allen. I like that he's the defensive anchor of the best defensive team in the NBA this past season. So, um, And you can see when Jared Allen was not with the team and was injured, 
the Cavs struggled a little bit on the defensive side of the ball and with rebounding as well. Uh, Mobley's not really ready to be that defensive anchor like Jared Allen is. So give me Jared Allen at my number five. I like it. Number four, this may be my biggest name guy if I if I was cheating at all on this, but it's Julius Randle. Yes, he's in New York, so he's getting a lot more shine than he used to. I still feel like people kind of hate on him for not being that great when he was young. Everybody thought he was going to come in and be like the next LeBron, but he has slowly worked his way up to being a tremendous scorer, a multifaceted player, can do a little bit of everything for the Knicks, and just a guy who I think deserves a little bit more credit. I think he gets a little bit too much hate. Uh, so Julius Randle, for me, ideally, he being in the New York spotlight, he can still continue to develop, become a bigger star here in the coming years. All right. My number four is uh, Malcolm Brogdon from the Celtics. I think he's a huge part of the Celtics run. Um, former sixth man of the year, former rookie of the year, I believe, as well. Um, and just huge part of the Celtics becoming the two seed this past season. So give me Brogdon at number four. Another guy I'm a fan of. My number three, a guy who's been around for a while, a little bit of an elder statesman of a league, but I've always liked this guy. I think people view him maybe as best the third best player on a star-studded team. But I'm going Drew Holiday, and that is spelled J-R-U-E, Holiday. But huge Drew Holiday fan, a super athlete, maybe has lost a little bit of the springs, but could jump out of the gym, just the, your quintessential star NBA athlete, just run run faster, jump higher, jacked. Just I, Yeah, that's really all it is. I think he's just really fun to watch and has really been underappreciated, kind of gets overshadowed by Giannis and Middleton. When I think when we have seen the Bucks at their best, it's when Drew Holiday's at his best. Hard to argue with that. At number three, I'm going to go with uh, a little bit of a younger guy, although he's played four years. Maybe this is his fifth year. Um, but Desmond Bain, he really has carried the load when John Morant's been out. But when Jaw's in, he's a great running mate for Jaw and has seemingly come out of nowhere. But he's had explosive scoring games where he hits eight or nine threes, and that's just kind of – casual for him uh he's like uh he's kind of like i mean john morant isn't exactly steph curry with the shooting and all of that but he desmond bain is a is a clay thompson like running mate for john morant so um he's kind of got that flamethrower that you want in a guy who plays on the perimeter and shoots as many threes as he does and he's pretty consistent as well and he's shown that he's capable in limited stretches of being that go-to option as well. So give me Desmond Bain at number three. I like Desmond Bain. He's one of those guys who I think plays 92 regular season games. Somehow the guy plays every minute of every game, it feels like. I consider Jaron Jackson Jr., but I feel like once you've won Defensive Player of the Year, you can't be considered underappreciated anymore. Grizzlies have a couple of these really good underappreciated guys. For sure. Yep. Um, now, before I get to my second guy, can you confirm that you and I 0% discussed this? Who was going to be on our list? All we came up with was the topic. Yes. Because my number two guy is Malcolm Brogdon. 
I was okay. I was I was stunned. I did not think we would really have any of that match, but I had Malcolm Brogdon, a guy I liked since he was in college, Virginia guy, you're he does the dirty work. I always like those guys like your Jimmy Butlers who do the dirty work. He's gonna play defense, he's gonna play hard no. So I've always respected Malcolm Brogdon, and he's a guy who's been overshadowed with all those stars in Boston. Uh, but just a huge fan of Brogdon and everything he brings to the table. Seems to be a great team first locker room. Uh, you know, does the dirty work and doesn't necessarily get the glamour of some of his teammates. But big respect for his game. All right. Um, number two, I don't know if this counts, but I still feel like not enough people appreciate this guy. Chris Middleton. Um, I think we've seen it now where when Chris Middleton is injured or clearly not himself, the bucks are not nearly as good. Um, and they are not a championship level team if they don't have a healthy Chris Middleton at his best and perfect running mate for Giannis. Um, not quite a star really in the league. I think he gets, uh, pushed down um, by other guys at this position just because there's just a glut of guys at kind of that small forward position who you would consider stars. But uh, go ahead and give me Chris Middleton at my number two slot. A guy who's always been that great running mate for Giannis, as great as Giannis is, to get that championship, they definitely needed Chris Middleton to help be a piece to that. And my number one, again, zero discussion ahead of time about this. Get out of my head. I had Jared Allen at number one. He's been so good for so long in a league that kind of feels like it's abandoning the bigs. He's still able to grind in there in the middle. And feels like when I watch him shoot from outside, when it does happen, it looks so awkward. But he's he's so fun to watch. He's been very underappreciated for several years. And one of the reasons I really liked this Cavaliers team he and Evan Mobley, they're somehow able to make those two seven footers work in the middle and then uh, Donovan Mitchell working around the outside. So Jared Allen for me is a guy that I feel like we need to be talking about more when we talk about our Anthony Davises and Bams and DeAndre Aytons. We need to have Jared Allen in that conversation. All right. Well, um, yeah, we didn't talk about our lists at all, um, but we're coming up with a lot of the same guys. And number one for me is a guy that you mentioned, and that's Drew Holiday. Yeah, I think uh, he was the top option when he was in New Orleans because it was based out of necessity a lot. He was the top scoring option, but he changed his offensive game to fit what Milwaukee needed when he was moved there. And the underrated piece of him is his work as a defender. And that's that's really um, his calling card and what puts him on kind of a higher level or what should put him on a higher level is because he he guards the best perimeter player basically regardless of size and uh i know marcus smart gets a lot of credit for being a defender but drew holiday is uh like a way better defender than marcus smart and so uh but marcus smart gets all the credit and so that's why i think drew holiday's underappreciated primarily as a defender because he's probably the best lockdown defender in the NBA. 
or and he definitely was during the Bucks title run as well. So um give me Drew Holiday no, that at is, my number one slot. That is crazy to me that we had three three of the same guys. I don't know if that says more about us or the NBA fandom or these players or what it is that we have the same guys and we seem to like kind of different styles of NBA and NBA players. Yeah. Yeah. I think it says uh, probably more about the fans as a whole, but. Hmm. But to recap that, so my top five most underappreciated NBA players in the league right now, number five, shy Gilgis Alexander, Julius Randall four, number three, Drew holiday, number two, Malcolm Brogdon, number one, Jarrett Allen. And for you, number five, Jared Allen, number four, Malcolm Brogdon, number three, Desmond Bain, number two, Chris with a K Middleton, and number one, Drew Holiday. Yep. Nice. And it feels like all these guys are role players on, like, really strong teams. So I don't know if there's a common thread there. Maybe SGA is kind of the only one who's a star on a bad team, but we have a lot of guys who are the maybe second, third, or fourth option on a really strong team. Yeah, and there's a reason why those teams are so strong. It's because of underappreciated guys like that who don't need the star label that kind of makes those teams so strong. So that's my theory anyways. Yeah, that's what makes the NBA great. You may need a Jokic to win the championship, but got to have the Aaron Gordons and the Giannis need your Chris Middletons and all those guys. Absolutely. All right, anything else on this week's show? We've gone over our hour. Oh, well over our hour, yeah. um, which we always do. We have those Yeah, absolutely. So, um, no, uh, just we're kind of hitting the dead zone for sports right now with uh, baseball really being the major sport that we have to watch at this point in time. Which is really fun for me when I have to think of show topics for each week. But we will should be good for next week. We'll have the NBA draft. Try to record that early so we can have it posted before the draft happens on the 22nd. Do a listen along while the draft is happening to see how well we do. Uh, and then we'll get into the 29th and then look ahead to July. Have to start doing some NBA or NBA NFL previews, NCAA football previews. Get the Major League Baseball trickled in here. And then, as always, a little bit of everything from UFC, NASCAR, uh, just kind of the latest and greatest happening in the sports world. We thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of the Sports Gospel. You can find us on sportsgospel.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.